All right. So you guys made it. You found Goddard Park. That was good. That was the first goal for the morning, right? Um, I hope you guys had some of the muffins out there. We found out that uh, basically, you know, we thought uh, Sten won last year, and we said somebody was going to take it while his mom took it away from him. So <laughs> you guys got to try harder if you're going to keep up with that family. So, uh, but feel free to um, next year. There's always next year some of you guys who are disappointed. Hey, it is good to be here this morning. Goddard Park is always a fun uh, service to, to have, just to be here. Um, and we got a beautiful day. I mean, gorgeous day out. Uh, we have a lot of kids in here, don't we? Let's see the kids. Can you guys just kind of raise your hand? That's awesome. So it's fun to just be here together. It's fun to be able to be here. We used to... Um, you know, it was, it was good uh, with two services to be able to just pull everybody together every once in a while and, and see some new faces. Make sure that if you um, see some new faces that you reach out and just say hi, because they may be somebody that you just don't know because you don't get to the other service. It may be somebody that you just haven't met because they're new. So uh, it's good to have um, everyone here this morning. Hey, uh, this morning we're going to, uh, typically at Goddard Park, what we talk about is just kind of some of the things that are coming up in the next year. And I, I did want to focus on that. Uh, we've been looking, last week we started uh, kind of a little mini-series that's about where God uh, is taking us this year. And so I wanted to lay some of that out for you. But before we get started, just wanted to ask you, if you got to be uh, a part of any event in history, you know, think about everything that's happened over all of, of human history, and you got to just pick one thing that you could go be a part of, what would it be? What would it be? I mean, some of you guys are thinking, well, maybe it was landing on the moon. Some of you guys might have, I was thinking through this, and I was thinking, you know, what would it be like to be one of the first people to, to see the Grand Canyon for the first time ever? I mean, that'd be kind of epic. How, how would it be to be with, like, Alexander Graham Bell and help him invent the telephone, right? Or to be at the opening night, I mean, the opening night of, of like, uh, Romeo and Juliet in the Globe Theater, back in Shakespeare's day, back in London. That'd be a good one, wouldn't it? Or how about, how about to be like one of the Magi? You know, you're in the train, you're maybe taking care of the camels for the Magi when they show up when Jesus is born. But if you were thinking about what, what would that be and why? Why would that be so important to you? What, what makes that stand out in your mind? Because in those places, there were, there were people at every one of those times. Every one of those events, there were people, great and small. Some of them were famous people. Some of them, we've never heard their name. Some of them had no idea the, what they were taking part in at the time. Now, we know that we've been invited to be something that's hugely important. We've been invited to be a part of a movement, probably the most important movement on the history, in the history of the world on the face of this planet. We've been invited by God to be a part of something, and we know it. We know that he's invited us. We know how important it is. God is in the midst, we know, of, of rescuing this world from, from the destruction. Sometimes you look around in the world and you say, what is wrong with this place? What is wrong with people? Sometimes you look in your life and you say, what is wrong with me? Right? But God said he is in the midst of rescuing us and redeeming us and restoring us to what he intended for us to be and for what he intended this life and this planet to be. And we know that. And he has invited us to be a part of it. So here we are with that invitation 
we can be a part of the greatest movement that's ever taken place on this planet. You know, in Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20, Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he's just spent three years training them up for this work that he's going to send them out to do. He knows he's about to, he's about to send his Holy Spirit to empower them to do this work, so he's going to come, and God himself is going to live inside of them to give them the, the strength and the, the insight to know how to do this that he's calling them to do. But he's just about to be brought up to heaven. You know, we talk about how he took his place next to God. He took his place on the, the heavenly throne. And in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, we hear the words of this invitation that it ends up, these words weren't just meant for them, but they've come down over the years and they're meant for us. And so if you would stand with me right now, we're going we're gonna to listen to this invitation that Jesus gives. It's to his disciples But then 2,000 years later, here we are, and and you need to hear these words, because this is God inviting you to be a part of this as well. And Jesus came up to his disciples and said to them, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to do all that I've commanded you. And remember that I am with you always even to the end of the age. Now you look at that, you look at that invitation, and honestly, it looks like a lot of do stuff, right? Looks like he says, go do this, go do that. He says, go, make disciples, baptize, remember this, teach them things. But when you really look at what he's saying, he's not just saying go and do. He's really saying in order to go and do, you're going to have to be. You're going to have to become someone. You're going to have to let me transform you so that you can empower you so that you can even do this thing that I'm inviting you into. So last week we talked about how Jesus' call on us is is for us to see. We're called to see certain things a certain way, but this week we're going to see that his call is also that he's calling us to be. He's calling us to be a certain type of people. Amen? Father, uh, thank you for this morning. Thank you for this invitation that you give us to be a part of what you're doing, but also to become a certain type of people, a certain type of people that reflect Jesus in all that we do and all that we say, all that we are. Sometimes we look at our lives and we say, "I, I don't know that I'm capable of that. I don't know that I can live up to that kind of expectation, and you've told us. We saw that last week. You don't expect us to live up to that expectation on our own. We don't do things in order to earn your your love, your grace. Instead, you make us into the type of people. We give ourselves to you so that we can be remade to become the type of people that can participate with you in the things that you are doing, the rescue work, the redeeming work, the reconciling and the restoring. So, Father, um, help us to be those people. I pray that today, by the time we leave, that we're more like Jesus than when we came, in the way that we think, in the way that we see things, in the way that we go out into this world to live and live our lives and join you in this work, this amazing work that you're doing. Father, I pray that people in history will look back and they'll see how important this time was and how important this group right here was how important they were and how we went into this knowing how important this work was that we do.
how important this invitation that we are given is to join you. And Father, I pray that it would make an incredible difference in our age, in our generation, in this world. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Have a seat. You know, when I, when I was a uh, kid, we would, uh, one of the things that we used to love to do, and I know that some of you guys know this, because you probably did it too, but we would stand in the front seat of my dad's car and we'd pretend like we were driving, right? So we would um, we'd be standing on there and we didn't know what we were doing, so we'd yank the wheel back and forth like this, like you'd never do when you're driving, but we didn't know, and, and we'd turn on the windshield wipers and the blinkers and, and we'd turn every, you know, push every button and turn every knob. And because and, what we figured was, since we weren't moving, right, the more activity that we had going on, uh, the better it made it look, because we obviously weren't going anywhere. And the reason we weren't going anywhere was because we were missing one key ingredient, right, which was literally, literally the key ingredient. It was the keys. We didn't have them. And if we don't have the keys, you're gonna, you can pretend all you want, but you're not going to get anywhere, so as kids, we're just, and, and can you imagine, can you imagine if we had the keys, if we're actually going down the road doing what we were pretending to do with the windshield wiper? I mean, it was, it was lucky we didn't have the keys. But if you think about it, you think about it is, you know, how many, how many times that sometimes when, when we're not actually moving forward, and, and we do this, I think, in our spiritual lives as well, when we're not actually moving in any way that, that makes us, gives us a sense that we're actually going anywhere with God, or doing anything spiritually significant, sometimes we just throw a lot of activity in there to make it look like we're doing something even though we're not actually moving forward because something seems to be missing. Well, Jesus in this passage, he tells us these are the things that are essential because keys in a car, keys are like an authority, aren't they? They, get, they authorize you to, to, to start that car up and to drive it along. If you don't have them, you're not going to move the car. Keys are an, an authorization to go into a house. They're an authorization to get into a, a security deposit box or something. Keys give you authorization, and you need that kind of authorization. That, and that's what Jesus was doing in Matthew 28. He was, he was giving authority to his disciples. He said, all authority has been given to me, and I'm going to pass it on to you. I'm going to pass it on to you because you're going to need the authority that I have in order to do the work that I've called you to do. Because it's a huge job. I mean, we look at human history and humans, human beings have been trying to, we've been trying to do this rescue work. We've been trying to restore, you know, the planet or restore lives or take care of people. We've been trying to do it on our own for a long time. We've been trying to do it without God and we, we just don't do very well. Oftentimes we'll come up with solutions to a problem that ends up, you get about 10 years down the road and you find out the, the solution was worse than the problem was to begin with or at least just as bad because we're not that good at it. So God said, you know what, um, there is no one to rescue them, it says in Isaiah, so I, I, I reached down, I, I stepped in, and that's who Jesus was. Jesus was God coming and stepping down into human history and saying, you know what, I am going to rescue them because I have greater plans for them than they even know of, than they even have for themselves, and I want to make sure that they have the opportunity to see the life and the intentions that I had when I created them, and so um, Jesus steps in and he says, at the end of his life, he, he comes down, he does what nobody else can, he, he conquers death, he takes out kind of that last enemy, he shows that he has this authority, but then he, he stands up at the end and he says, um, all authority now has been given to me. All authority, not just in heaven, 
Because you'd kind of expect that of God. He has authority in heaven. But he says, on the earth too. And you guys, um, sometimes we don't realize it, but this was the first time that a human being, since Adam, had kind of handed the authority over. And he had authority. God had given him authority to kind of rule and to manage the earth. But he had handed it over. He had given it up. He had lost it when he fell. When he, when he sinned and turned against God, he like broke his, his connection with what, where the authority was actually coming from. Well, now Jesus has it. And he says, all authority has been given to me. And so I'm sending you out. But then he says, and I'm going to give you authority as well. You say, well, where, where does it say in that passage? I, it, we see the part where he says, all authority has been given to me. But we can easily miss the part where he says, and I'm giving it to you. So where does that come in? Well, it comes in at the very end. So at the beginning, at the end, he's talking about authority. He says, I have it, I'm giving it to you. And it comes in where he says, remember that I am with you always. So he's essentially, it doesn't sound like much, but he's saying, you know what? I have all authority. I'm going to be with you. Therefore, you have the authority. But what's really cool, now this is where I kind of, you know, every once in a while, um, I don't know how else to put it, but I kind of geek out a little bit on the kind of what the scripture says and what the Bible says and how it says it. And I go back to these languages and I go into that with you guys. You guys, it is so cool how they put it in the Greek. Sorry to bring that up, but um, that's the original language of the Bible. And so, but the way that he put it was, so God's name in the Old Testament, he said, I am, it was YHWH, they didn't even pronounce it, but it was something along the lines of I am. And so whenever you see I am in scripture, a lot of times it's referencing to say something about God. So Jesus, when he's walking on the water and he, he stills the sea and he says to the disciples, don't worry, it's me. But the words it's me are really, don't worry, I am. So he's saying, God's here, it's me, and I'm, I'm with you now, so you don't have to worry about this storm. He says it also when he's being arrested in the garden, and, and the soldiers come up, and he says, he says something, and he says, when he says the name of God, he says, before Abraham was, I am, and it says all the soldiers just drop back because it was just this powerful statement of, this is, this is who God is, this is his name, it's a powerful name because it represents who he is, and I am he. Okay, so he takes that name in Greek, two words, I and am, ego, ami, I am, and what he does is he splits those apart, and he embeds the disciples right in the middle, because at the end he says, I, not just I am, but I with you am, okay? So he puts the with you right in the middle. He's saying, you know what? I, I've not only, in the Old Testament, he used to take a piece of his name. He took like Abram, you know, and he, he says, I'm going to take part of my, my name. It's this H, it's the breath, the breath of God. And I'm going to embed it in your name. And he says, your name is no longer Abram, it's Abraham. And he said it to Sarah. Your name's not, no longer Sarai, it's Sarah, because he took a part of his name. This time, instead of embedding himself in their names, he says, I'm going to embed you into mine. Says, I'm going to make you, I'm not just I am anymore in this world. I am the I with you am. Did you guys see what he did? Which is amazing. Somebody's excited. Thank you. It's amazing because he says, where your, where your authority is going to come from is that. Is that you're not standing on your own. You are, you are standing there as one who is embedded into the very name of God, the very person of God. And you're embedded as someone who I am with. 
And so he's with us, and because he's with us, that's what lets us know that we're embedded in him. He says, those are the type of people that I'm raising up, that I am calling to do this work because you're not capable of it on your own. For you to participate with me in this, you're going to have to be embedded in the very person of who I am and the very power of who I am, and I'm gonna have to pour myself out even into you. I and you, you and me. Jesus prayed that before he left, but so, so we're going to, not only we're invited to be a part of the most amazing project that God's ever been about in this world, the rescue, redemption, and restoration of this world, but we are called to be, we're invited to be embedded in the very power and the very person of God in order to do it. So then we say, well, how does that happen? How does it happen that we get embedded into the very person of God? And that's where, you know, the next part in, you have the part that he's talking about the authority, and then you go into this, and he talks about, well, it's this process. It's this process that he calls discipleship. And the church has been talking about discipleship, not just our church, but throughout history, we've been talking about discipleship. And we say, well, what is discipleship? Discipleship is actually that process by which we become those who are embedded in the person of God. We're embedded in the very thinking and the mind of Christ and embedded into the, the very power and the, the, just the, the works and the ways and the words of Jesus. And so he did it with his first disciples who were standing there when they were out there and they're fishing and he says, come and follow me. So they followed him. They just spent time with him. They hung out with him. They walked along the countryside together. They shared meals together. They went through incredibly high, just exciting times. They had some really sticky, crazy situations they got into. And they watched Jesus. And they learned. And then he sent them out. And he said, now try it. Practice it. Do what you've seen me do. And I give you the authority to do it. And they'd go out and in the, in the power of the Spirit, in the name of Jesus, they would see amazing things happen. But then he says, you know what? I don't want you to just... Keep this for yourselves. Part of being like me, part of living this life out, is that you'll do what you've seen me do. I came down, I called you, I raised you up. You go out in my name and you raise others up. Teaching them, discipling them, making disciples in the world. And so we see that one of the most important things that we do if we're walking with Jesus and we're living like Jesus, is that somehow there's this trail of people that should be kind of, as we walk through life, they're impacted that they are actually made, drawn closer to Jesus in some way. They're drawn closer, and maybe we share with them the first time the gospel. We just tell them, listen, this is what God has done. This is what he's offered you. Maybe it's that they already know Jesus, and we say, hey, this is something that he taught me. Let me, let me tell you what he taught me about this word and about what he's saying in, the, in his word about what we're called to do, and this is how he showed me how to do it. Maybe that'll help you. Sometimes you're in a place like, like I just have the privilege of being in, and, and you guys sit there, and you hope I have something to, you know, worthwhile to say and to share with you, and I get to actually teach and I get to tell you guys, listen, this is what I've learned. This is what God has shown me. But he says, we go out. Part of being a disciple, a follower of Jesus, is that we are discipling. And so we have, we have people that are working in our children's ministry that are discipling our kids. They're telling them about Jesus. They're teaching them. They're saying, hey, watch this. And now you try it. 
We have those who are coming alongside our, our youth and they're discipling them. We have, we have people throughout our ministry. Some of you guys are at your workplaces. You're going into your offices and you're, you're discipling just by being there and by having the conversations that you do. You're telling people about Jesus and you're doing this work because you know that you've been called to be a disciple, but a true disciple, one who imitates Jesus, does what he does. And so we bring others into it as well. And so it got passed down all the way down to us. So we look at this and we say, well, what does that look like? What does it mean to disciple someone? You know, who are we supposed to disciple? When are we supposed to disciple? Well, in this, this invitation, he gives all that. So when is it? When are we supposed to disciple? He says, well, there's that word go, right? But actually, it's, it's, it more has this kind of feel of it, of kind of as you're going, make disciples. Because really, he's saying make disciples is the main verb. As you're going. Well, when, when, when is that? As I'm going where? Well, how often are you going somewhere in your life? Always, right? I'm going to work. I'm going to the store. I'm going to school. I'm going to church. I'm going, I'm going to the beach after this. I'm going, I'm going out to lunch. I'm, we're always going somewhere. So as you go. So when are we supposed to be discipling people? Always. You're always influencing someone. And you're either influencing them for the kingdom you're either influencing them and showing them more of Jesus and drawing them more into that, or you're not. Now, sometimes it'll be more formal because you'll have people that will join you going places or going directions, and they'll do it so that because you said, hey, as I'm going, that's what Jesus said when he said, follow me. He says, come with me because as I go, I'm going to disciple you. So sometimes there's that, but always. Who? Who are we supposed to disciple? He says, Make disciples of all nations. So everybody. So when you cross somebody's path in your life, your first question should be, why, why might God have crossed my path with this person? Could there be something that he wants to work through me that he wants to make known to them? I don't mean thumping over the head with a Bible. I don't mean quoting verses at them or telling them they're going to hell and carrying a sandwich board. I mean... I mean just showing them through something you do or you say. It may be showing them that there's a God in the universe that actually loves them. It may be just that they get to taste of the love of God through something you do through a kindness. It could be something as simple as that. It could be that as you're there and the, the Spirit just, he says, you know what, you got to tell them. And you go, I just got to tell you. I got to tell you what's going on in my life. I got to tell you about why it is. It may have built up to that point. But always, who, everyone. You know, the word that's used here for nations is an interesting word, too, because it's this word, ethne, is where we get ethnic from. It means nations in general. But to the Jewish people, it was a very specialized word because it meant all those nations, the Gentiles, who were not Jewish. And what that meant to them was this was all the nations that were in a kind of spiritual darkness and ignorance they did stuff that they didn't even know why they were doing it. They messed up stuff all the time. Oftentimes, these were the harshest critics and the harshest adversaries of the Jewish people. And he says, you know what? I'm going to send you out to, and I want you to be discipling them, too. Sometimes in our lives, we get out there and we find these people that they're just a pain to be with. They're just obnoxious. They're in the next cubicle over, and they just, we can't get our work done. They just, just them breathing just greets, right? 
And Jesus says, you know what? Them too. I might have said you in that cubicle next to them because I want you to draw them closer to what my purposes are in their life. Do you think that Jesus enjoyed being with everybody he was with? <laughs> if you do, you haven't read the stories. And because even, because even his disciples got in his nerves at times. Right? He'd look at him and go, how long do I got to be with you guys? Right? Which, you know, he's God. That makes sense. I imagine God would kind of get frustrated with me every once in a while. Just, you know, Carrie gets frustrated with me, but that's probably because she's broken too. No. No, I, no, I better take that back. <laughs> she's saying I'm going too long now. So when, always, how, who, everyone, how, how, how do we do this? Well, he says, I want you to teach them. I want you to teach them. And teach doesn't mean I just want you to convey information. I don't want just the transfer of information cognitively from your head to theirs. Teaching was really talking about how do you transfer life to life, the way that we saw Jesus transfer life to life. How do you, how do you see transformation happen in their lives not just information end up in their heads. And you know, sometimes we gotta learn how to do that. Because sometimes we can be a lot better getting information across than we can at to how to actually help someone enter into the things that maybe God is in and get through the things that are challenging them and, and all that work that, that we know, you know needs to be done. So, but he says, so teach them. Teach them these things. And then the final question was, okay, so, so what? What is it that we're supposed to be teaching them? And Jesus says, I want you to teach them to do all the things that I've commanded you to do. And, and we think about, you know, in, in the Old Testament, the Jewish people got the, the law of Moses, and it was a bunch of to-do stuff and not to-do stuff. And, and to be Jewish was to keep the law, basically. I mean, if you were, if you were ethnically Jewish, that was one thing, but but really, you weren't considered truly Jewish if you said, yeah, I'm Jewish. Now, today is different. But back then, it was like, it was, I, I not only am born of a Jewish family, but I also I live a Jewish life, which is keeping the law. And Jesus said, you know what? To be a person who is following Jesus is not just that somehow you show up in a building and you're a part of or a member of or anything else of a group of people called the church. He said, is that you live this life of following Jesus. You live this life of trying to do what he did and trying to live this life that he, he called you into. And again, when I say try, I don't, mean, I don't mean try on your own. I mean that you enter in where he says, I have given you, I am calling you to, to join with me in living this life. And so he has given us his spirit, he's given us the power, but he says, that's how and that's what I'm calling you into. So what are some of those commands? Well, some of the commands are like, he said, love God with all you have, all you are. Love your neighbor as yourself. So love God, love people. He said, he said um, you know, living into those commands is things like um, what we were just talking about. He said, go out and, and live this life in a way that it draws people to me. Um, there were other things, you know, we, we think of, of commands as, as ways that we're supposed to live the life, and, and there are those. Jesus called us to a certain kind of ethic, 
in regards to other people, in regards to our own, the way that we live our life. And, and so he has called us to that. And we say, yeah, but I'm not good at that. And he said, don't worry, because part of the commands, part of this, this new commandment and, and the, the coverage is, he said, I know you're not perfect. We aren't. And that's why we confess. That's why we come to him and we say, you know what, I failed again. And he says, okay, and I've forgiven you. And so we, we live under that. We also live under this, this idea that, you know what, this isn't my life to decide how I do this, but it's, it's really God has set this project. It's his project. I either join him in it or I don't. That's living into these commands of Jesus. And he says, but that's discipleship. Who? Everyone. When? Always. How? Teaching, life-to-life transfer. That's what he passed down to us. That's what he wants to pass down. And then we say, what? Living to live, learning to live like Jesus. Living, to the, the, living out the commandments that he gave to us. The guidelines. So we see at the beginning of this invitation, there's the authority. I have it. I've given it to you at the end. And then just inside of that, he, he answers his questions. How do we gain that authority? Well, it's in this process called discipleship. Who, what, when, where, how, all that. Then in the very middle, though, he shows us all of that kind of acts as this framing to get to this main point that he's getting to, which is this idea of, okay, so how then am I, am I embedded? I, I, I understand that, that discipleship transforms me, but how do I become embedded in the very name of God, in the very person and power of God? And he gives this command. He says, so you go out and you teach and you disciple, but then you baptize them. You go, baptism? So baptism is magic, right? You dunk them in the water and they come up and all of a sudden they're superheroes for Jesus. Right? Because that, that was my experience. I went under the water and all of a sudden I was able to walk on the water. Right? Did that happen to you guys? No. Oh, sorry, wrong crew. Should be. No. No, that doesn't happen. Right? It's not about being dunked in the water. But he says there is something about this thing called baptism. Baptizing them into what? Into the name. Oh, so he's back to that whole idea of being embedded in the name of God. But he says being embedded into the name of who? Of the Father, of the Son, of the Holy Spirit. And so all of a sudden there's this, also this part of it that you're going, this is also about being embedded into the community. The community of God and the community of his people, there's something about that, that, there's, that God in that context, that's where he works this power and he works this, it's when we're, we're, we're engaged and we're embedded. We're embedded through the fact that we're not only being discipled, but we're also discipling others. So it ties us into other people. That no matter where we go, that we're bringing people closer to Jesus. And that, so he says, so embed them Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Here's this, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. From, from eternity past and eternity future, they have been a community of three, always will be. One God, three persons. And we go, I can't figure that out. Nobody's been able to, don't worry about it. But one God, three persons. A community of three that eternally has been, and he says, I want you to become a part of this Community, this family, he uses it in different ways. It's a community, it's a family, it's a body, it's a, it's a, it's a man or a woman, it's a marriage. It's, a, it, it, it's all, all kinds of metaphors to try and get at this, but it's to say, I want you embedded in this with me. 
and I want you embedded in this with me with the others who are also embedded with me, with my people. So the way that we see that worked out is that we become embedded not just into God through worship and through our quiet time and through following him and spending time with him, but we become embedded in this community of his people. That we become this vital, active part of seeing others drawn up into their and drawn deeper into their relationship with Jesus. And because of others, we're drawn into that relationship as well. That's the invitation. He says, that's my plan. That's my plan for saving the world. That's my plan for redeeming, restoring, rescuing the world. Is that you might become embedded in the very, the very God that created this whole place and created you. So the question is, you know, later, later today um, we're going to go down and we're going to celebrate those who are going to be baptized and it's this like outward symbol, this outward sign and, and show that they have been embedded into, buried into death with Christ and raised with him into life. They've been embedded into the person of God and, the, and embedded into his people. Because that's what baptism's about. And in doing that, they're saying, yes, God, I accept your invitation. I accept your invitation to be a part of this, this, this work that you're doing in us. This work that you're doing in our world through us of rescuing, redeeming, restoring this world by drawing us into the person of Christ, into his works and his ways. I mean, there's power, there's miracles, there's all that that's available to us, yes, but it's available, he says, I give it to those who have embedded themselves in me. So come, come and embed yourselves. And so we have to ask ourselves, so how are we gonna, are, are we gonna do that? You guys, you look at the, the disciples, and they spent three and a half years with Jesus. By the time they were done, and he poured out his spirit on them, they went nuts. They took over an empire. Within, within 300 years, the, the Christian church had basically taken over the Roman Empire. It got to the point that the, the, the Roman emperor said, you know what, if I'm going to get anywhere with this, with this empire, I'm going to have to be one of them. Not they're going to have to be one of us. Now, that's a pretty intense kind of a timeline, isn't it? Three and a half years, they ramped up to where they started. They were kind of launched this whole thing in the name of Jesus, in the power of Jesus, but they launched this whole thing that took over an empire. Are we on that track? Are we on that track? I mean, sometimes I, I worry that sometimes maybe we dabble a little too much with Jesus instead of really saying, God, what is it you want to do with me today? What do you want to do through me today? Because he's called us into life, but it's not to sit around. He is wanting to rescue this world, and he wants to use us to do it. And we say, well, how are we supposed to do that? Well, I want to encourage us. I want to challenge us maybe this coming year to get into the mindset where we start thinking about some things. You know, one is the work that God is doing in us. What does he want to do in you to disciple you, right? So part of that is, what do I need to learn about what God's commanded, what Jesus commanded, and, and what ways I can live that out more? What are the ways that I can embed, be embedded more into the name and the person of God? How can I um, go into his presence, just know him more? Or how can I embed in his people more? So one is that process. But in that, here's the challenge. Look out through your life and say, who might be that person or those people that God has brought into my life in order to pour into and disciple me. 
Because this is an ongoing process for all of us. There's always those that will be there because they are to be influencing and helping you come closer to Jesus. So who are those people that have been brought into my life to be discipling me? The second question is this. Now, we have, we have problems with both these questions, honestly, because that one takes a little bit of humility, right? It takes a lot of transparency. It takes a lot of vulnerability to say, okay, you're here to help me get closer to Jesus, so you might have to speak those things that I really don't want to hear. But I'm okay with that, because I know that's what you're here for, and I want to be more like Jesus. So who are those people that... The second is this. Who are those people that God has you in their life to disciple them? And some of you guys go, oh, I'm not, even, I'm not even close to that. I'm not ready to disciple anybody. I don't know anything. No, God has shown up in your life in some way, in some form. You know something. Every bit that you have, somebody else probably needs, and God is going to connect you with people in order to show them more of Jesus. All that you might have is your own story about what God has meant to you. And God says, that's enough sometimes. I'm going to draw you alongside of someone so that you can help them know me better just through the story that you know. So we should always be growing so that we have more to give. And that comes through people pouring into our lives. But we should also be looking and saying, who are those people that God has drawn me next to in order that I might be pouring into their lives so that they might know Jesus more as well, that they might be shaped to walk more like him as well? Now, that's a hard one to sometimes, too, to look at, but I can assure you those two types of people will be in every single one of your lives. And it is up to us to be paying attention to say, who are the ones that should be pouring in that I should be paying attention to and who are the ones that I should be paying attention to because God has something in me for them. Third one has to do with all that come together is what are the ways that you are actually embedding yourself in this community, and in God's community, both himself, but also his people. You know, Rooted, uh, BJ talked about that. Rooted is one of those ways, this discipleship pathway we talk about. This is about how do we become more embedded both into God, the community of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, but also how do we become embedded in that together with the, the people of God that he has drawn there as well. That's why we're encouraging you guys, you know, be a part of that. Be a part of a small group. Be a part of, you know, if, if, you're, if that intimidates you, that's fine. Then find somebody. Hang out with somebody. We have, we have families that gather together. I'm, I'm excited about this family down in the front row because <laughs> they've been a couple of, so Lola and Hunter are going to get baptized today. And, and they were telling me that they were sitting up, they were just talking about that all day yesterday. They're family. Because they're being embedded together into Jesus. And so those are the kind of things that are exciting for them. So some of this, you know, it may be intimidating at times to get together with some of the, you know, the people you don't know and stuff like that. Take a chance every once in a while. But if you absolutely can't do that, then get together with someone. Because God is embedding us together as a community of people. It may be that you become a part of a team. You become a part of like a production team and you get to know those people and they have something that they just rub. You may become a part of a Bible study or, or, or you may become a part of like a, a serving group that goes out on a mission trip or something. But get into this kind of this embedding, this community thing where God shows up with his people 
in very different ways. Um, discipleship was never meant to be a, like a lone ranger type of a path that we take. Amen? So three things. Can you do them? You guys, if we will do these things, it will not just change our church. It will change, it will change everything. It really will. It will change your life. It will change our, our region. It will change everything. Who are the people that were meant to pour into you? Who are the people that you were meant to pour into? And how can you be embedded more into the community of God and the community of his people? Can we do that? That's the invitation. Because God says, listen, this is my plan to change, to save, to redeem, to restore the world. And if we can do those three things, I think we'll see him moving in ways we've never, we'd never imagined. Amen?